everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. So I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And friends, periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, Make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back, friends. We're continuing on in the study on Solomon's wisdom out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And our focus today is looking at Solomon's general observations. So to get started, we're going to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and then begin our initial discussion uh, within that context. So, Here's what Solomon had to say, a time for everything. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to rebuild, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've thought about this in connection with the various kinds of work God has given people to do. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to enjoy themselves as long as they can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose in this is that people should fear him. Whatever exists today and whatever will exist in the future has already existed in the past for God calls each event back in its turn. So we read and can see that God has a plan for all people. Life consists of cycles that ebb and flow, and each cycle of life has work within it for us to accomplish, and at times we'll face challenges. As a matter of fact, we all face trials and tribulations that seem to contradict God's plan for our lives. However, these trials should not be barriers to our belief in a majestic God. Instead, we need to reframe these trials into an opportunity of discovery, one where living apart from God makes zero sense. 
And you know, cycles offer us timing. All of the verses that we just read are given to life cycles. The experiences noted are both seasonal and situational. And yesterday we discussed God's joy and the fact that you and me already possess it. God has given us joy as a free grace gift. So today I'd like to expand more and have us add God's peace to our repertoire of grace gifts from God. Now in order for us to grab a hold of this, I must tell you a secret. A discovery within ourselves needs to be uncovered. This peace is ours for the taking if we'll simply accept and appreciate God's perfect timing. And if we do this, I declare that we're going to experience the peace of God that surpasses human understanding. And while Solomon talks about a time for hating, we should never hate people. But this isn't what Solomon was saying. He was telling us to hate evil behavior, not people. And God commands us to love our neighbor right after the first and greatest command to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And people, you know, do change. So as a statement of fact, both you and me are changing every single day. And the way that others see us may or may not be representative of who we really are. But the good news is that God is the only one who has a full access pass to read our hearts. He's our creator. He's our vindicator for when people misjudge us or mischaracterize us. And you know, group think stems from the leader of a group offering a strong opinion in regards to the character of another. And if their motive or their hypothesis is skewed in any way, then they run the risk of doing some serious damage to one of God's children. And you know the old adage, one person tells another person who tells another, and really this is how rumors begin. And while we're not to condone the mistreatment of anyone, we mustn't hate evil people. So I would go back to that. We should pray that their behavior and actions change to reflect godly values while they're still in opportunity. And why I say that is like Pharaoh, God chose to harden Pharaoh's heart when he knows that people are going to continually discount his message. He is the one that hardens hearts. So I pray that this pod show will soften hearts by planting seeds in people who need a touch from God. And do you recall the story of Joseph? It comes out of the book of Genesis. Well, God put it in his heart that he would be a leader and others would bow down before him, including his brothers and his father. But he was young. He was overconfident in his abilities. He probably was what we would call cocky towards his brothers. And he also was the favored son of Jacob. But knowing of God's designs on his life proved to be unbearable to Joseph's 10 older brothers. So these brothers conspired against this favored son and had him thrown into a pit. And then out of pity, they sold him off into slavery. And that was only one of the 10 brothers who made that suggestion. And you know, most people would have thought their life had ended chalking up their fate to bad genetics, but not Joseph. He was a difference maker, a force to be reckoned with. He was a true history maker. Recalling the hand of God on his life, he knew that he might have been dealt a bad hand, but he was a champion. 
and he would survive and prosper in a foreign country, other people would have failed. His earlier self-assurance turned into wisdom under pressure, and he went on to win over people he would meet, such as Potiphar, who was the chief jailer, or other prisoners, even the king. And eventually, he won over his ten brothers again, who had committed such a heinous act against him. But you know, Joseph's hardships should have caused him to become bitter and distrusting. Even Potiphar's wife had told a lie about Joseph after she made a sexual advance toward him, and he declined her, stating it would be a great sin against both his earthly master, Potiphar, who had given him charge over the entire household, and a sin against God. So this act of obedience and wisdom caused him in the short term to be thrown into prison. But God wasn't done with him. He kept doing the right thing. He helped other prisoners who got out and said they would put a good word in for him, only to forget all about him. Despite all of this, Joseph always stayed hopeful and positive. Everything that the enemy meant for harm, the Lord would use as a stepping stone. So why... Why didn't this seem to grab space within his vocabulary? Instead, he was reflective of what should I do now, Lord? No wise were asked. So like Joseph, it's important for us to remember, regardless of the setbacks in life, God is with us and the presence of God always sheds new light onto and into our situations, no matter how dark they are. And key takeaways from Joseph for you and for me come down to recognizing it isn't as much what happens to us or toward us in life as much as our response to it. And we know with God's help, any situation that was meant for evil can be used for good. And we've said to hate the evil behavior of others, we must do that, but Also, we must hate when we miss the mark and when we sin too. And in Psalm chapter 5, David talks about the lies of our enemies. He says God is able to defend us from lies spoken against us. But specifically, Psalm chapter 5 verse 5, David says, Therefore, the proud will not be allowed to stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. And when we stand against sin and stand on and for the word of God, we're adopting a godly attitude. And we've all heard that our attitude determines our altitude. And this is the same thing for job satisfaction. It's our attitude that will determine if we become dissatisfied or if we remain steady and stable, knowing that we're working for God and not for man. When we have this knowing, no no job will be beneath us. We can adopt the ability to enjoy any work that we're doing. And all work is a gift from God. And any fruit that we produce from our work is also a direct gift given by God. And work is one of the ways that we show our service for God and for others. And Solomon says that God has planted eternity in our hearts. Because this is so, no earthly pursuits or pleasures will ever satisfy us. Because we're created in the image of Jesus, we all have a spiritual thirst that only eternity will quench. Only God will satisfy our longing and desire for our one true home. 
Right now, we're away on a long sojourn until the day we return home. While we're away, our job is to trust him by placing our faith in his word and fulfilling our work to the best of the abilities that he has given us. And Solomon concluded being happy and enjoying oneself for as long as they can was a worthy goal. I'd caution that this can be done wrongly without knowing God. However, when we have a proper view of who God is, we discover it's in the gifts from God that we obtain happiness. Our true purpose in life is fulfilled through who we know, through who we know, not what we know or how good we are. We fear God, meaning we respect an all-powerful God, and we stand in his presence in awe because of who he is. And Solomon even finds evil and corruption among the justice system back in his day. He goes on to question injustice and oppression. His conclusion is that God does not ignore this plight of many. At the appointed time, God will step in and bring an end to it. And Solomon was looking at worldly contradictions. His key takeaways for interpreting our world in which we live are these. First, there's the evil and corruption where there should be justice. Secondly, people created in God's image die just like that of animals. Thirdly, oppressed people are not comforted. Fourth, many people find motivation through envy and greed. Fifth, people are lonely. Number six, recognition for accomplishments is temporary gain. And these all look like great excuses to stop trusting God. But I'd make a case and argue that these are leverage for us to press on keeping our faith in God. If we use these six areas to judge life, then we become God's judge and jury, and we don't know God's complete plan. Therefore, we must not judge what we can see. First John says, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is where the enemy attacks us, and our purpose for this life will be revealed through our building an intimate relationship with Jesus, not by our self-efforts. And God gives out work assignments and rewards. And there is middle ground for us to enjoy our gifts from God. He's no more pleased with a workaholic rather than a lazy person. He's about moderation for the wise. When we're not temperate or moderate, and we swing either to lazy or workahol workaholism, if you will, we're allowing the enemy to guide our behaviors. And the enemy of greed and envy is alive and well in our modern day society, just like it was in Solomon's time. So I hope that you found today's pod show interesting and will consider joining me back tomorrow as we explore more of Solomon's wisdom. And you know, I mentioned earlier about having that personal intimate relationship with Jesus, and that's the way to discover more of his will for our life. So if you don't have a personal relationship at this time, or maybe it's grown cold and you want to renew your relationship, you want to make sure that you're stepping in faith with Jesus, I would simply ask you to pray this invitation just repeat after me. I repent and turn away from my sins. 
come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the past, present, and future sins of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe that you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so that he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you and you can develop that intimate relationship with him. Let me be the first one to congratulate you on the most important decision that you will ever make in your entire lifetime. It was an internal saving decision. So congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions that he left for us is this benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, what love and action looks like, wisdom, and many more. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or you can get an electronic version or the book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Dorrance.com. If you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And why don't you be a blessing to someone today and share this pod show with them. And remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus forever. Amen. Until next time, friends, be blessed and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And friends, periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back, friends. Today is day three, and we are continuing on our study of biblical wisdom through the eyes of the son of David, king in Jerusalem. His son is none other than Solomon. 
And on day one, we looked at all is vanity under the sun. And importantly, all is not to be taken to mean everything in the universe. Solomon limited his observations to everything under the sun or everything that was observable by man. And we find that Solomon's negative conclusions had to be observable. He said, I saw... I have seen, again I saw. So Solomon was very specific to never name anything vanity that was of God or predicted of God or God's work, even God's revelation or man as man. Solomon saw the fear of God and the enjoyment of life and the proper use of wisdom as all commendable. And on day two, we explored cycles of life. Nature never ceases in her life cycle, yet man, who is at the height of God's creation, passes into eternity with no remembrance. And Solomon is credited for writing both Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, and he even wrote Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, excuse me. While Ecclesiastes emphasizes wisdom's limitations, the book of Proverbs emphasizes wisdom's benefits. And Solomon pursued fulfillment through pleasure, wine, great works, wealth, aesthetic, and artistic pleasures, and fame. But all of these pursuits were futile. Attempting to find fulfillment in material pursuits is also futile because one must leave the fruit of his work to another. We are told to enjoy our work as it is a gift from God. When we're operating from the center of God's will, our work can be a sphere of blessing in our lives. We also reviewed Solomon's poem where he compared 14 pairs of opposite events to everything there is a season, a time. One example was the gathering and scattering of stones. And this reference referred to the process of clearing land for planting or building. And according to Solomon, man's chief response to God should be to fear him. He then compares and contrasts the workaholic versus the lazy fool. Both are not enviable states to be. Being moderate is the better position to be. And two are better than one. They can help each other get back up if one falls. They double their strength and a triple fold cord is not easily broken. And Solomon tells us of the importance of fearing God. Our attitude needs to be in a posture of openness and ready to listen to what God has to say to us. We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought by attempting to dictate our demands to God. This is vain pride and pure foolishness. Empty religious professions are arrogant to God. We must humbly approach God, recalling that He is sovereign, meaning our purposes must fall within His will and intent, His absolute right to do all things according to His perfect will. And God being in heaven while we're earthbound is just one more reason for us to have awe and much respect for our Creator. 
And Solomon warned that we should not make foolish promises to God. When we make a vow or a promise and fulfill only part of it, or worse yet, none of it, we're playing games with God. And in Israel's culture, they often made vows. And this was really serious in God's eyes. And Solomon switches to the subject now of wealth. He says there's nothing wrong with money as long as we don't operate from a stand of the love of money. Being financially free affords us more opportunities to serve God. And I'm aware of a philanthropist in today's present age who serves over 4 million meals in 56 countries per year. Now this is absolutely staggering, but God has blessed him to be a blessing to others. And we can see many examples where we learn it's not wealth, but the drive for wealth that doesn't satisfy. Money is an exchange of currency for the value we bring into other people's lives. And because wealth can be lost if it is mismanaged, it's not the end all. It's an unsure foundation to build our life upon. If our aim is simply to acquire wealth for the sake of ourself, it will elude us. Yet, when we make it our mission to help others, God will find a way to get more of this divine vehicle into our hands. And people who are wealthy experience a different set of hardships. They're often approached by thieves and freeloaders wanting something for nothing. And these people must learn to be discerning. So the thief will not come to kill, steal, or destroy by deceit. Everything belonging to the kingdom of God has purpose and meaning. And Solomon says that it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy our work and accept our lot in life, that is indeed a gift from God. When we view life this way, we're looking at it with the right perspective. We're appreciating the gift God has given us. Recognizing all we have is a gift from God allows us to focus on the giver rather than the gift itself. When we operate and live within God's design for our life, we can be content. Yes, we'll experience times of adversity, that's normal, but these times can be lived out with a quiet confidence amid the chaos. Prosperity is not always beneficial. When we take our focus off of God, allowing our carnal selves to take over, we unknowingly set ourselves up to be easy targets for the enemy. There is an unseen realm always engaged in the battle for our souls, and God's chief enemy, Satan, deploys his principalities and his lieutenants into this warfare using whoever is available. And this is one more reason why it's critical to either be all in or all out. You can't ride the fence here or you'll be pillaged. God says he doesn't want a lukewarm church in Revelation. When we are lukewarm, we give ourselves over to the enemy. When we're cold for Christ, the devil leaves us alone because he assumes he has us in his camp already. But when we're on fire for the Lord, we'll be relentlessly attacked by evil. But have no fear, our God is stronger and has already overcome Satan. Death has been defeated. It's this middle ground called no man's land where the most damage occurs. Here people become easy targets. They're not realizing that the roaring lion that walks around encircling them waiting to pounce. 
Now, I'm not sharing any of this to scare anyone or frighten you. Rather, I'm attempting to bring about an awareness to a very real and unseen threat. If it was up to me, I'd rather bury it, sweep it under the rug, and never discuss it again. And yet, that's exactly what the enemy wants. After all, ignorance is bliss, right? Well, Solomon tells us not to fail to enjoy the blessings of God. We're counseled to enjoy what we've been given now by all that we're blessed to see with our eyes currently versus the wandering desire of future possessions. In other words, we need to be content with the gifts that we've been given now, and we need to say so. Prayers of gratitude move God's heart toward us. And a key point in the book of Ecclesiastes is that man is too limited to explain the problems of life. No matter how smart we think we are, in comparison to God, we'll always be deficient. There are some mysteries we're not meant to know, yet in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3, he tells us, ask me and I will tell you some remarkable secrets about what is going to happen here. So the book of Proverbs is considered wisdom literature, and in this book, Solomon encourages readers to focus on the short time on earth each one of us has. He says to focus on mourning and sorrow versus feasting and laughter. And why talk about the good old days when we can't be assured they were that good? We don't know the reality of what today or the future hold. Our latter days may well be better than our former days. Right now, declare that over your life. Just say it out loud. My latter days will be better than my former days. You are prophesying or speaking good into your life, and we are to look to God for all of our plans in life. And both Christianity and Judaism see value in suffering and sorrow. It's a refining fire that builds our character and it strengthens our integrity. But both the Greeks and Romans despise suffering, and yet the Eastern religions would just try to live above it. While I don't seek out suffering or sorrow and solitude, one thing is for sure. This is a time where we come to know God deeper and our intimate relationship is strengthened. This is God giving us the blessing of opportunity for both spiritual growth and a natural earthly awareness that is heightened. It's a shift away from being self-reliant. And Solomon confronts death head on. This is the only certainty in life, and that is death. We all are going to face it one day, whether we are wise or foolish. Some of us, Lord willing, will enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. He will tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. The other road is wide and leads to the enemy camp. We do not want to be found on that road. According to Solomon, only wisdom can save our life. And Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 says, A good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. In the same way, the day you die is better than the day you are born. While we are unable to control what others think about us, we can stay in good standing with God. Did you know when he looks at you, he sees his son Christ? He says, and that was good about your creation. We are the righteousness of God through Christ. Righteousness means we are approved. Jesus took all of our sins, past, present, and future at the cross of Calvary. 
When this divine exchange occurred, it was refreshing us in God's eyes to see the perfection of His Son when He looks upon us now. Solomon encouraged his readers to not only live in the moment, but also contemplate death. This wasn't to be morbid, but it was to bring to light that there is time to change. Make a decision right now to make adjustments in your life where you know you're falling short and you can improve. The time is now. This is how we receive God's mercy rather than the justice that we all deserve. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8, we learn finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. It's easy to be wide-eyed and start on a project with reckless abandon, only with an idea to get us started. But the person who perseveres and pushes through to the end is patient and wise. Pride causes us to stumble and fail, as it is an emotion born out of arrogance. Agreeing with Solomon, we may consider adding patience to our prayer list, or better yet, declare patience over our life daily. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14 tells us to enjoy prosperity while we can, but when hard times strike, realize they both come from God. That way you realize that nothing is certain in life. Life is full of surprises. At times, all is well, and then we hit a bump, often quickly bouncing back to our all is well status quo. But God will never allow us to coast along without growth opportunities. Life is unpredictable. We're to enjoy the good times, recognizing them as God's gift, as well as the hard times as God's opportunity for the blessings they are. By nature, I'm a giver. I love to surprise people with gifts. That brings me a lot of joy. At times, I've been known to give away jewelry to someone who has complimented the item that I'm wearing. Don't worry, it's only costume jewelry. Like, one ring was literally $5. I think I got it at 50% off. And the gal I gave it to acted like I'd given her a solid gold ring. I mean, it made her day. And honestly, it felt really good to give it away. So even when we're in a valley or a tough time, we can still train ourselves to look for ways to give to others and serve God at the same time. Solomon sought out more wisdom. He was determined to be wise. He's known as the wisest man to have ever lived upon the earth. Yet even his wisdom was inefficient to understand life fully. Just when we think we've tapped into wisdom and we're wise, rest assured, this is a telltale sign that we are not. The same can be said for humility. As sure as we express we're humble, we get knocked down a few pegs and we learn we are not. If we define wisdom in its truest form, it's the ability to see life from God's perspective and then to know what the best course of action is to take. And Solomon's concluding advice in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 15 goes against every legalist out there. These are the people who have become embedded in false righteousness. They've become so good in their own eyes that their assessments are diluted by their righteous acts. They've lost their sensitivity for why they are compelled to be good. And of course, the reason for being good is to honor God. When we're temperate in our approach to life, we don't err on a legalistic scale versus an immoral one. And Solomon in verse 15 says, So I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people to do in this world than to eat, 
drink, and enjoy life. That way, they'll experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them. This approach to life brings joy and contentment. We can learn to appreciate the gifts God has given us as we continue to seek out work for His honor and His glory. So friends, I hope that you've enjoyed today's pod show and will join me tomorrow as we conclude Solomon's final thoughts surrounding biblical wisdom and what that looks like. And you know, earlier I've talked about having that personal intimate relationship with Jesus, uh, not only God, but he wants us to get to know his son because that is our only entrance into heaven. And so if you want a relationship with Jesus and you want to spend eternity in heaven, not elsewhere, I would invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to Jesus now. Just simply say, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins, known and unknown. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe that your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on past, present, and future sins of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believed you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And consider getting yourself into a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other believers who will help edify and build up your faith in Jesus. Let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions he left for us is this benediction. So as you go out into the world today, allow me to pray this blessing over you. It comes out in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And this prayer or benediction encompasses six blessings over your life. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays unless we're in the middle of a series like today. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, what love and action looks like, how to be wise, and many more. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And why don't you be a blessing to someone today and share this podcast with them? And remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus forever. Amen. Until next time, be blessed and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all.